0: As I prepared this, this week, I was under a pretty heavy conviction. Um, so, just, I prayed, as a, and as I prayed over it, I, my prayer was that we would all be under heavy conviction from this passage of Scripture, from God's Word that we would seek to be more like Christ. So that's my heart this morning, um, that we would grow in Christ, that we would grow in grace so that He would be glorified. Let's pray. Father, I thank You, God, for this morning. I thank You for the songs that we sang. I thank you for Randy's message, the reminder, the conviction of parenthood, and how it fits with this message and just being like Christ. God, I thank you for my heart that you've changed that no matter how it strays, how you bring it back. And I pray, God, that if there's hearts who have been hardened this morning, that you would soften them. I pray that if minds and eyes have been distracted from you this morning, God, that you would redirect them. That you would pull them back in. As you've done for me so many times, that you would take your word and you would... By your Spirit, give us a new taste. Give us a fresh taste of your glory. Remind us of what you've done for us. Remind us of what you are going to do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Second <clears throat> Peter chapter 1, verse 5. He says, For this very reason... Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. you see why I was under conviction? So he says, he starts out for this very reason. That's going back to verses 3 and 4. Um, if you look back at verse 3 As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption. That is in the world through lust. It's because of his divine power. It's because he has called us by glory and virtue. Because we have been made partakers of the divine nature. For this very reason, he says make effort to supplement your faith with virtue. So it's, it's, very, it, it's very important to get this right. It's very important to get these things in the right order. We labor for virtue because God has already labored for us and is at work in us. It does not go the other way around. But it sounds, it can sound so similar. And this is where the danger comes in. This is where I've seen many people go astray. This is where I was led astray before God revealed this to me, before God actually saved me. I had it backwards. I had it backwards. It sounds very similar to the other position, but they actually couldn't be more opposite. The other one sounds something like this. I'll get myself straightened out. So that God can work in me. Have you ever told yourself that lie? I, I can't. Man, I would like to go minister to that man. I would like to go minister to that couple. I would like to go visit that person in the hospital. I would like to help them when they're hurting. I would like to help them with their marriage. But I'm a mess. I have to get myself lined out before I can do God's will. I have to get myself lined out before God can work through me. That's backwards. It's backwards thinking. Or I, or I need to be more spiritual. I'm not spiritual enough to seek after these things. I have to get this. I have to, I have to pray more. I have to get myself in this position before God can use me. It's backwards. No, we have to say with Paul... Philippians 3.12, he says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. It's already done in you. If you're a believer in Christ, it's already finished for this reason. Because it's already been done in you, seek after virtue. Seek after knowledge. Seek after love. And so now Peter's showing us what it looks like. What it looks like to be a Christian. In, in a few verses here, he lays it out pretty plain what a Christian should really look like. What should we be striving for since we have been saved? And he gives a list. He starts with virtue. He says, add to your faith, supplement your faith, your belief in Christ. If you're saved, you have belief in Christ, supplement that with virtue. It's moral excellence. Striving to be like Christ. Where does our morality come from? It comes from Jesus. And we know it by his word. That's it. That's the only place you can get it. You can try to, You can look at different cultures and they can say, yeah, this is morally right and this is wrong. And they, unless it's based on scriptures, they have it wrong. We have a lot of moral um, do's and don'ts in our culture. A lot of them are good because they were based on Scripture at some point. They were based on Christ at some point. But we also have a lot of things that are considered completely morally correct in our society that are absolutely heinous to holy God. And we also have things that we would consider taboo we wrong in our society that are perfectly acceptable by a holy God. Morality comes. This virtue that we seek, it must be sought by Christ. The next one he says, knowledge. Look back at verse 2. He says, by knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, we grow in holiness and godliness and become more like Christ. It all and, and these virtues that he's given us, these, these characteristics, these attributes of a Christian that he's given us, you can't really separate one from the other. They're all intertwined. And so how do we get our knowledge? Or how do, we, how do we grow? This knowledge that we get from Christ, from his word, is what gives us the ability to grow in holiness and godliness. You're a Christian, you're not growing in Christ, and you're not reading your Bible. Is anybody surprised by that? You're not listening to the word being taught. You're not being in church on a regular basis to hear the words of Christ preached. And you're not in it yourself. There's no way you're going to grow. It's like feeding an animal. It's like when you have an animal and it won't, it just won't grow. Have you fed it? No. It's not going to grow. Right? You have to feed in order to grow. And he says, so add knowledge. He says self-control. Self-control, how vast is this attribute that we're talking about? How many things, how far reaching is this one go? Think of the areas that you have in your life that you don't exhibit self-control in what sin comes to your mind everybody's probably thinking of one that you have a hard time in self-control and the list the list is long on possibilities anger food lust it can be tv it can be sports it could be hunting what is it that we have in our life that we just indulge in And it may not even be that the thing itself is sinful, but we don't have any self-control in that thing. And Randy was talking about this a little bit this morning. Things that should be in the back seat get put in the front seat. Things that should be in the back seat get put in the driver's seat. What is it that you have that we aren't exhibiting self-control in? And then he says steadfastness, non-wavering, Staying on course, moving ahead, persevering. It's no matter what's going on, you're steadfast in your love for Christ. You're steadfast in your service for Christ. You can be counted on. You can be dependable. And then he says godliness. I mean, that one... it, it kind of covers them all. If you have godliness, you're going to have all these things. These are all attributes of God. But for a human to be godly, it doesn't mean we become almighty and we're, we're not exactly like God. But it means that we're in pursuit of him. We have a Godward attitude. We are doing that and we are constantly seeking to do that, which is pleasing To God Almighty. And then he says brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. From the Greek combination of phileo and adelphos, if I said those right. It means Philadelphia. That's the word. It's a transliteration. It it means simply this. To love as brothers. Look at Romans 12.10. He says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. <clears throat> love one another with brotherly affection. If, if you've ever had a sibling that you grew up close with, you understand, I think, what he's trying to say here. There's times when, you know, growing up, I'm sure most everybody fought with their siblings I had a brother and a sister. We fought. But I can remember those times when that would just when there was times when all that would go away and there's nobody that was closer than my siblings to me. I had friends, all that, but when it come down to it, they were the ones that knew what I was going through better than anybody. And I knew what they were going through better than anybody. We lived together, we ate together, we worked together, we fought together. We did all of those things together, and it it brought forth an affection that you can't have even with friends. That's what he's saying here, and he says, but he says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo your try, strive not as a competition, but strive to outserve. The guy next to you, try to outserve your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what he's saying. Are we doing that? Are you doing that? Is the world look at you and say, that guy is a servant. That lady is a servant. And then the last one he says is love. It's agape. It's unconditional love. And it doesn't say love whenever you're being loved. It doesn't say love how you're being loved. No, it's agape. It's unconditional. Our command is to love as Christ loved the church. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. There was nothing in us worth loving. And he did it anyway. And now we're to respond with the same kind of love for our brother's And sisters. So look back at Peter now. In verse 8. He says. For if these qualities are yours. And are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective. Or unfruitful. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These qualities. The pursuit of these attributes. Will actually keep you. From being ineffective does anybody else worry or, or maybe not maybe worry is not the best term does anybody else have concerns though over your Christian life not being effective like I'm doing these things and sometimes I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels I mean I've I have that thought a lot I know anybody who's been involved in any kind of ministry or witnessing or anything like that has probably had those thoughts because sometimes we don't see the fruits of our labor. Actually, I think a lot of times we don't see the immediate fruits. We're not patient enough to wait and see it. But what Peter's saying here is, if you will pursue these qualities, you won't have to worry about your ministry or your your christian life being ineffective it will be effective and i think the reason is because people will see this in you and it will impact them they may not tell you god may not show us and i think that a lot of times god doesn't show me things because he my pride if i saw what god was doing then i'm i would be inclined to get boastful about that but it will be effective i mean that's a promise That is here given. But he also, he says, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. As we learned last time in the first part of Peter, it's replacing sin with righteousness. You can't just get rid of sin. The Christian faith must be positive. And I'm not talking about like this positive, I'm gonna give you this positive encouraging message that makes you feel good about yourself. No, your walk, your Christian life must be positive. By that I mean, you cannot stay the same. I had a football coach that would tell me, working out during off season and all that, he said, you cannot stay the same. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're either getting physically in better shape or you're getting in worse shape. And I think what he was saying was true Physically speaking, I think it's even more true spiritually speaking. We can't just sit still. We'd be like a bobber out on the... Anybody fish in here? Throw the bobber out. You just let it there. What's going to happen to it? It's going to drift right back into the shore, right? It's going to go the way of the wind. It's going to go the way of the tide. And that's what we are if we do not pursue these things and we don't pursue hard after these things, we're going to be drifting. We can't sit still. So we must replace sin with righteousness. We must replace lackadaisicalness with zeal. If you skip down to Second 2 Peter 2.20... He says, For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. There can be a barren and fruitless knowledge of Christ and his word. Has anybody ever seen that happen? Somebody that knows the Bible, somebody that can quote the scriptures, somebody that can say, all the right things, but in their heart, they're lost. It can happen. We must guard against that. We must guard against that fruitless knowledge of Christ. If God's knowledge does not drive us forward in these qualities, in love and brotherly kindness and virtue, then we can wind up in that dead, cold knowledge. We've missed something. Look at verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, and he's forgotten from his former sins. John Piper said this. He said, The person who does not strive for all the fruit of the Christian life is blind, In two directions. He's nearsighted in that. He can't see past here anymore. We can't see. There's times when we get caught up in this worldly cesspool. We get caught up in, and and it's not even bad things. We get caught up in work or our kids or our families. And there's all of these worldly things that we're pursuing. And we can't see past right here. We can't see forward to the promises of God any longer. The looking to Christ's return. I thank God for that song this morning. It helped me refocus on what was Christ. What is he? He's coming back. Behold our God. Behold our King. Can you imagine when he shows back up and all the naysayers? And we'll be like, see? See? I told you. I tried to tell you. But there's so many times in my everyday life I'm like, I'm like right here I can't get past this. All I can see is what's right in front of me. And it's actually a sinful attitude. And it's from the lack of these attributes that brings that forward. But that's one direction blind. The other direction is looking back. I have forgotten what great salvation I received. I have forgotten How wicked a sinner I really was. And how much he has moved on my heart. And how much he has changed my life. It does me good to think about what I would be doing. On an occasion. Not to dwell in it. But to think about what I would be doing on occasion. Had I not been saved right now. Where would I be? What would I have pursued in life? I don't know. I know it wouldn't be Christ. I know I wouldn't be here. And so I look back and I can see clearly what he's done. But so many times with this, what he's saying here is. Nearsighted, he is blind and having forgotten, having forgotten the benefits, having forgotten the salvation, having forgotten all of the grace that was given to us. He cannot remember it. He is and so you're stuck. When that happens, you're stuck right here in your own little world. You're stuck with all the sin and all the lack of reverence that's around you and the people you know and the people you come in contact with and you're just living this life and it's not even real, but you think you're pursuing things. And... So what do we do? In verse 10 he says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling, and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Wow. Now there's a promise. There's a promise to take into account. There's a promise to look forward to and break through the haze of the world and see Christ on the other side in the future, see him on the other side of our life as we near the end, whether it's through old age or whether it's through him calling us home or however he chooses, but we can see past this world and we can see Christ. This verse tells us what is at stake with these Christian characteristics. If you are lacking knowledge and self-control and brotherly kindness, etc., If you have no desire to grow in these things, it is a question of not belonging to Christ in the first place. It's a question of salvation. If those qualities that he just said, and I think it's pretty clear by practicing, by pursuing these, you can confirm your election. If those qualities will confirm our calling and election, then the lack of those qualities would show the lack Of our calling and election. That's a sobering thought. You know I I listened to a sermon by Todd Friel one time. And it was on the issue of pornography. And he was talking about that if you indulge in this. Over and over he said. You may not be saved said there's a chance you're not saved and and I, I thought wow and he said I'm not and he, and then he got even harder and harder and he, I mean he was bringing it down pretty hard he said I'm not being as hard as God will on judgment day if you're not saved don't you want to know so that you can repent and put your faith in Christ let's look over at Romans 8 we want to get this right <clears throat> I want you to understand what the calling and election is. These are these are um kind of uh, scary words within Christianity, right? You start talking about predestination and election and calling and and people get nervous, people get antsy. They don't want you interfering with their free will. Well, I'm not going to interfere with your free will. I don't have the ability to do that, but God does. And so we want to make sure that you understand Just what kind of position this is. Romans 8.30, he says, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. We're working on the truth that the whole world lies under sin. Every single person born after Adam was born a sinner. Under condemnation. That's a fact of the Bible. You can't get away from that. Every single one deserves the punishment, the wrath of God. So we have to understand that. And God is, to understand that, you got to consider God's righteousness, His holiness. And because He is righteous and holy and just, the whole world lies under judgment. That's where we are. Every single person in this, on this planet is under judgment. But, the, one of the, my favorite verses in scriptures in 2nd Ephesians, when it says, but God, just simply that right there, but God. Because of his great mercy, he has ordained a people to be saved by grace. That's what he has done. He could have completely left mankind to wallow and be destroyed. He could have killed Adam and Eve immediately, physically, and sent them to hell. Or he could have let every single one of us be born in sin and live our life of sin and then send us to hell. And he would have been completely just in that. But because he wants to show his mercy, because he is a merciful God, he has ordained a people to be saved. These are the ones chosen to be transformed to the image of Christ. Now, what you notice there in 830 in Romans, it does not give room for those who are predestined but aren't called. It makes it very clear. Those whom he predestined, he also called. It makes no room that if you're predestined and called but you wouldn't be justified it's not possible those he also justified and it makes no room that any of those those things that he has done that they will not be glorified he does it's all together okay that's important to understand they are eternally secure none of god's sheep will go astray he will not lose one randy talked about how the, the I was thinking as he talked about the man who went after, he took a leave of absence from his church and went after his son who was struggling in a marriage. He didn't leave him. Well, I thought, how much more our shepherd? He left the 99 to come after the one. He will not lose a sheep. He is the perfect shepherd. He's not going to lose one of his. But on this side of heaven, we must sometimes ask the question, Am I amongst God's elect? Matter of fact, that's the most important question we can ask. Am I saved? Am I currently under God's righteousness and mercy, or am I currently under his wrath? It's one or the other. Have I truly been born again? And so Peter says to confirm your election, make sure that you have been called to be transformed to the image of Christ. How? By striving after faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, brotherly kindness, love. That's how we do it. That's how we confirm it. We strive after those things. How do we do this? What is the practical application of striving after these things? I mean, I can tell you, you should should be more virtuous. You should be more godly. I can tell you that all day long. But how does it actually happen? Well... Just, just consider a few things here. Faith and virtue and knowledge will mostly come by prayer and study of the Scripture. Reading God's Word will greatly increase in knowledge, and prayer will help keep it from being that dead knowledge we talked about earlier. Reading God's Word and memorizing it, and with, apart from prayer and apart from the Holy Spirit, can wind up in that dead knowledge. And the other thing that is very important in this is not only reading it in prayer, but being discipled. Having somebody teach it to you, reading commentaries about it, um, and and studying it and breaking it down. Because it's important not to... Iron sharpens iron. Have you ever met somebody that figured something out and studied by themselves their whole life, and then all of a sudden... You try to point out something where you think, well, this, actually what you're saying may not, and they don't deal with that very well. So it's important to have that brotherly kindness along with learning this faith, virtue, and knowledge. And then when you look at self-control, brotherly kindness, and love, these can absolutely not be achieved alone. Of course, all of these take the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. You don't have it in you to do this, to, to even pursue these apart from him. But with this one right here, it's especially true that they cannot be achieved alone. Why? Because the very essence of the equality requires other people to be involved. Look at 1 John 3.14. He gives us a description, and this is a theme throughout the New Testament. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. You can't demonstrate this to yourself or anybody else apart from the church. You have to be around brothers to love brothers. You have to be around the body of Christ to love your brethren. Right? You can't do it um, by the church. I mean God's people. You can't be isolated and pursue this virtue. You can't be isolated and confirm your calling and election. It's an impossibility. You have to be able to show brotherly kindness. You have to be able to show love to the brethren. It's a brilliant design by God. He's given us the church for this purpose and for many other purposes. But it's a gift. It's a way that we grow in holiness. It's a way that we grow in Christ. You can't, and, and here's the other thing, it's not, just a, it's not just a random scene of people. You can't show agape love if if there's any parents in here, I think parents probably understand agape love as well as anybody because you know that your children, you love them unconditionally. It's been given to you. You you don't want to deny that love. But the more that you the more time you spend with them, Randy talked this morning about uh how we need to spend more time with our kids. The more time we spend with them, the stronger that love occurs. And how much can you demonstrate love for your brothers if the only time you see them is on Sunday morning? And the only time you talk to them is for about two minutes at the end of the service as we're rushing out the door or we got this and that or those things. You know, this is why we've, we've tried to have certain things that will help that. This is why we're doing the prayer meetings in the homes. We want to be involved with each other's lives more than what we are. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One is just to show this brotherly love, this brotherly kindness, to follow this command. It's also a safeguard. I want you guys to know me well enough that when I start to slip off into those whatever they are, when my eyes get focused on this instead of this, I want you to know it. I want you to be able to tell it. Because here's the thing. When that happens, I'm not telling you. And you're not telling me. When you get in those situations, the last thing we want to do is tell anybody. And we're really good at deceiving ourselves and we're really good at deceiving others about where we're at. But if you know me, you'll recognize it. Some, and, you are right. and, and a lot of times it doesn't take much. We're Christians. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. And he can convict us so easily. But he, he uses all of us to do that. He uses whoever's standing behind this pulpit to do that sometimes. But sometimes it needs to be a one-on-one thing. Sometimes it needs to be, hey, you seem down more than normal. Some people are better at hiding that than others. But what I'm telling you is we have to know. We have to have an a, a intimate relationship with one another in order to fulfill what God has done or what God is doing and what he wants us to be. And, and so that means that our attendance at things are part of our assurance. It's part of our Calling. It's part of our election. Now, don't get this confused. We definitely don't want to get this confused. It's not like there's an attendance role saying, okay, you missed here, you missed here, you didn't come to the equipping hour, you didn't come to Bible study. Okay, so no, we know that's not the case. The bigger question that I have, I think somebody in one of the membership classes or meeting we did asked about well, there's so much going on, you know, do you, what if you can't come to all of it and all that? that? That's not the issue. The issue is not are you here every single time, although I really would wish you would strive to be. But the issue is why is it that you don't want to be? And that's what we're concerned about. And the truth is there's times when I know in my heart I don't want to go. I don't remember ever a time, though, when I went anyway and regretted it. Not one time. God will use His church to cause you to grow. And, and the other thing on that is, God will use you to cause others to grow. But you have to be there. You have to be here. You have to be in their lives. It's not just the activities that we have planned. It's your fellowship outside of those activities. It's calling somebody up and just talking to them. It's, it's having somebody over for dinner. It's meeting somebody for lunch. Just meeting for, I know the my wife's good about it and some of the ladies are really better at it than we are. They'll meet up and have the kids play or they'll go for a walk or just all of those things. We need to strive to do because by striving in our fellowship and love with one another, we can confirm our calling and election. And then look at verse 11. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an, an entrance into the internal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And remember... These are not the wages that we pay to earn entrance into the eternal kingdom. They really have no weight on whether or not we're saved. I mean on, on how we are saved or on our salvation. That's not the case. God does that. Christ alone does the saving. But it does confirm it. There are necessary evidence that our trust in God's promise, promise is genuine And in that way, they are the confirmation of our call and election. We can know we're saved. And only you, only you can know your heart in these things. You can can make people think you love them. You can make people think you have brotherly kindness towards them. And then you can go and complain or you can mumble. I just wish that they would go away. I really just want... It's only you and God that really knows the heart. And so examine it. Are you, are you growing in these things today? Are you seeking virtue and knowledge? Are you demonstrating brotherly kindness? Are you striving every chance you get to increase self-control? Or do you like it when you fly off the handle? Or do you like it when you indulge? in lust or pornography? Or do you like it when you go on binges and don't get out of the house for two days and watch TV? I don't know. Whatever it is, you know what it is. Do you like putting something as an idol above Christ? Or are you seeking to grow out of that? Are you striving every chance you get to increase your love for Christ and for the brethren? If, it, if you're not, there's good news. You're still here, and it's time to start. And if you are, then praise God who saved you. If you're not seeking those things and you never have, then you must consider the possibility that you're not saved. And if you're hearing this today... And I would suggest to you that God is pulling at you. God is calling you. And he's commanding men everywhere to repent. He's commanding women everywhere to repent. If you have not grown in these things, if you can't look back and say, yeah, I was saved at this point in my life, and now I've come all this way, but I've hit this roadblock, then you just need to repent of that and move forward. Look forward. Look to Christ. But if you look back and you say, yeah, I was saved at this date, and I haven't done, I have not grown, I'm still stuck back here, then you may want to look back here and see if what, you, what happened was truly salvation, if it was truly Christ, if it was him alone, if you really repented of your sins and put your faith in him, you would get, start to grow. So consider the fact that you've never been saved. Or maybe you've never made a profession of faith at all. Maybe you are an unbeliever and you know it. I just would caution you that you're standing under the wrath of God. And while He is the most merciful, and He is the most loving, kind Father we can know, He is also just. There will be a day when all crime, all sin will be punished. But Christ made a way, so look to Christ. Christ. Repent and put your faith in Him. And He will save you. And then you can start in this same journey that we're on. And growing in Christ-likeness. And I just say, praise God today. I, I, I just want to praise Him. Because He knows me. And He knows I get in those times when I'm right here. I can't see... I forget, I know they're there, I can tell you all about them, but I just don't really focus my mind on those future promises of Christ. And I can tell you about my past and what God did for me, but there's times when it just doesn't seem as literal and real as it used to. But I praise God that every time I've been in those, He has grabbed me and He has pulled me into Himself and given me new eyes and new grace and he constantly keeps me going and he will do that for you and if he hasn't then I pray that he will let's pray <clears throat> Father I thank you God for for your truth that is perfect for your holiness That is so real. God I, I just. Forgive me Lord. For my wicked attitude. Forgive me for my earthly desires. And help me to focus on Christ. Help me to remember. What great mercy has been bestowed on me. And help me to remember what glorious coming. Of Christ is. That you would help us, help us all, God, help us all to think about the future coming of Christ. Behold our King, behold our God. By doing this, it would cause us to overflow with joy and that we would proclaim him to the lost, that we would proclaim him to this lost and dying world, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.